person. I've never met a stranger. I love talking to people. I love understanding their financial goals. And I think what um, I bring to the table is being able to manage investor relations because it suits me. It suits my background. I have a sales and marketing background. And like I said, I love to talk to people. So, um, you know, you are on the front line and there's a lot of accountability being in the position that I'm in. So, um, you know, I take it very seriously. Anyone who's ever worked with me knows that I'm very passionate about what I do and I want to lead people in the right direction. So that is a very big hat to wear, but that's what I contribute to the team. Yeah. And building out a good team is very important too, right? Mm -hmm. What do you look for when you're picking partners to work with? Hello, Empower Nation. Welcome to Empower Her Money podcast. I am your host, Angela Duncan, speaker, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and we talk all things money and business. Today's episode is sponsored by freemoneytipsbook.com. If you need help to get started on your financial journey, head over to that website, freemoneytipsbook.com, download your free ebook, and get started today. I am interviewing Yana Epps with Ask Me Investments, and she is a real estate investor and is going to tell you why you need to be a YouTube graduate. Welcome, Yana, to Empower Her Money podcast. How are you? I'm wonderful, Angela. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thanks for saying yes to be on the podcast as a guest. I love the pink color on you. It looks amazing. Thank you. My favorite color. I love yeah. your pink accents as well. <laughs> so why don't we get started and tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to Property Princess. Okay. Well, um, I started in real estate as a lender initially, back when you didn't even need a license. Um, that was the first job that I had in, in real estate. And then I got my real estate license, um, all while working in a W-2 job, which I found to be Kind of cumbersome. I didn't really want two jobs. What I realized I wanted was a real estate portfolio. So um, I actually, I've only done referral business and um, part-time real estate agent, but I gave that up after a while because I wanted to focus on my own investment. So I started my investing company back in 2017, where I focused on wholesaling initially, which was basically to build up capital to get into multifamily. Awesome. So what made you think about wholesaling first? Did someone else introduce you to that? Or, you you know, because obviously there's a lot of TV shows and things that people watch nowadays, which is not really realistic, but how did you get into the wholesaling side? Um, ironically, well, I, I kind of stumbled across it. I was doing some research, uh, which, you know, I'm a, a proud graduate of YouTube University and I ran across some videos and it just caught my interest. And you know, I started digging and digging, and then I joined a mentorship, and I connected with some really cool people who had a lot of success, and once I learned the business, you know, um, figured it out, so. Yeah, those are, and that's some really key points, too. You're interested in a topic, which was wholesaling. You went and looked for free information, YouTube, um, which we all have access to, and then you found yourself a mentor, someone who's an expert in that area and then learned from them. So I really like that whole transition. You know, when you're thinking about a business, it's always great to find that free education 
and then find a mentor. So multifamily, what does multifamily mean to you? And before I answer that question, I just want to say uh, to, to answer the last question in more detail. The reason I chose wholesaling is because when you want to become an investor, I think it's important to determine if you have more time, the money or the reverse. And at the time, I just wanted to do something where I didn't have to have a lot of capital. And wholesaling is a strategy that works with very little money invested and you can make big checks. So um, multifamily was the end game, the end goal. And I just wanted to do something that could create passive income. And obviously with multifamily, there are economies of scale. It makes more sense. The properties generate more income. You can actually become a fractional owner, which is something that I learned about later on down the line. Um, my grandparents were actually multifamily investors too, which is how I got the initial idea to get started as an investor. And I knew I wanted to do something that could um, earn more while you know putting less energy into it. And I think multifamily does exactly that. Yeah, and so multifamily for you is apartment complexes, correct? Yeah, exactly. Commercial uh, or residential commercial properties that are multifamily dwellings, typically 50 to 300 units in that range or so. Gotcha. And what kind of markets are you looking in right now? I mean, you're in California, you live in California. What other markets are you looking in California? So I'm not looking for multifamily in California. Um, as you know, the multifamily business plan typically involves uh, increasing revenue and decreasing expenses. And California makes it pretty challenging to execute on some of those plans uh, for different reasons. So we look at markets where there are landlord-friendly laws, uh, first and foremost, and that's typically like the Sun Belt states. Also looking for markets with uh, high population growth, economic drivers, um, you know, economic diversity, just a lot of different factors that we kind of check off which supports the uh, demand for for that investment. If someone wanted to kind of get started into the multifamily investing space, where would you recommend they start that process? Depends. Um, if they are, even if you live in California, like myself, I think the first way, the easiest way to get started is to use an owner-occupied loan, which is really easy to attain. Um, and then kind of do house hacking. Um, if you don't own a home today and you can buy like a, a fourplex, let's say, and let three tenants pay most of your mortgage, I think that's the best way to get started. I did not do that because um, I had a family and I wasn't thinking that way uh, about living in the um, multifamily dwelling, but I probably should have started with that. And um, I think it's a really good way to get started. You can live in that for about a year and then move on. Yeah, and use that rental income to help cover your mortgage expense as long as you're okay, kind of not really having roommates, but they're close. Exactly, exactly. So what are you focusing on now? So multifamily, not in California. Um, what do you see in the future for yourself? Um, so to be completely honest with you, um, most investors in this space, are familiar with the challenges that we're all facing with uh, the lending and the price of lending. It's created uh, a different um, market. And so in order to kind of, you know, keep, well, I won't say, I'm not gonna stop doing multifamily investing, but for now, 
I'm going to look at other um, asset classes. I'm still invested in multifamily projects right now, but I think I want to let the market change a little bit before we take on new projects, unless it really makes sense. And uh, within the future for me is trying to figure out how to build some of these from the ground up. So I am proud to say that I'm currently studying the development process. So that's something that I can do in my own backyard and I look forward to the day that I can do that. So yeah, wanted to do that since I was a teenager. Yeah, so building, how are you finding the information now to learn more about that process? Because obviously having something that's already built and looking at those numbers is much different than when you don't even have a building and you're looking at those type of numbers. Where are you getting your um, education from? I'm actually in a really great program and this is the age of information. I think you can get it anywhere. I read books, I follow people on podcasts, I go to YouTube like I always did. And it, basically anything you want to learn is at your fingertips nowadays. So it's not hard to find the information. You just have to take the time and put the focus towards it. Do you feel like when you're going through this process, will you be there to see, you know, the location of the, the, the land and then see part of the building process just to be able to like further the education too? Absolutely. So in the program that I'm in currently, I have some opportunity to um, actually, you know, go on site and take a look at some of these things uh, in real time. And so I've also had some experience with a building before. So, you know, getting that formal education just kind of helps me, you know, confirm that everything that I know is correct. So, yeah, that's good. And what kind of factors do you look for when you're thinking about investing in an area? Is there something specific that appeals to you as an investor that you look for? So when uh, it comes to the, to development, I think my focus is going to be affordable housing. So it's going to really matter. Um, like what matters in that is like um, urban areas where there's a strong need and places where grants and funding grants and funding are available. So opportunity zones and things like that that have been outlined as um, having a high need. Yeah, that's good. And that's probably coming somewhere from your heart. I feel like as women, we're, we're heart investors. We think about that a little bit more. So you're not mm -hmm. necessarily looking just at the bottom line, but to provide value to the community as well. Yeah, when it comes to um, building and providing affordable housing, I haven't even really figured out, like, is it a lucrative thing? I just know that it's something that I want to do. It could be totally a nonprofit and it could be is something that makes communities better, but I know that it's something that I want to do. Yeah. Are you teaching about this right now, or is that something you might see in your future? In the future, of course, but I don't want to be one of those fake gurus that wants to, you know, learn a little and then try to teach it without having practical experience. So um, I'm not teaching it now. I'm still a student myself, but I can't wait until the day that I can share with everyone else, like what I've learned. Yeah. And I love that. That's a good nugget right there because there's so much information available, you know, YouTube webinars, conferences. And I often say very similar, you know, like I'm not going to teach something I don't feel like I'm an expert in, but I also don't want to go learn from someone that I don't feel they're an expert in. So it's kind of hard to differentiate sometimes because you think that they may be on a stage or they're hosting a webinar that they're really knowledgeable about the topic. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a show me person. If you're, if you're an expert in the field, show me that you've been there, done that. And then I'm more than welcome to, you know, listen to the expertise that you have to share. 
And I think I'm the same way when it comes to picking out my mentors. So I would never want to be that person who is not practicing what they're preaching. Mm -hmm. However, um, I think that is also part of uh, the imposter syndrome that sometimes we feel like, you know, applies to us because even though I'm not an expert um, in certain things, there are people that know less than me that could still um, that could still benefit from the information that I have to share. So I always lead with that. Like if I if I'm telling you something, it's because I've learned it, and I will tell you if I feel like I'm not an expert, but the the information is still you know valuable. So somebody's benefiting from it at the end of the day. Yeah, the old saying about fake it till you make it, I don't think applies to when you're teaching. And when it comes to investing, you don't want to, you know, lead on that you know more about what it is that you're sharing because other people's money is involved. So mm -hmm. um, there's that factor as well. Yes. So are there any, I don't want to say mistakes, but any lessons that you have learned the hard way yet during your investment journey? Absolutely. And um, kind of lifetime, so I won't get into too much detail, but I think the main thing is partnerships. Yeah. Um, it's a business relationship is almost more important than a marriage. Like you have to take your time vetting people and you can vet to the best of your ability and still be surprised at the end of the day by someone's work ethic or morals or so many different factors. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten into some partnerships that I do regret. Uh, when there is not an ethical alignment, you want to part ways and you don't want to be associated. And unfortunately, sometimes your reputation can be at risk. So if I've learned anything, is to take as much time as possible to vet partners. So um, one thing uh, that I've done is, you know, I have a capital raising business and one decision that I've made moving forward is to only raise capital for deals that I'm a decision maker in. Uh, I won't do it any other way in the future. Yeah, I can understand that. And I had that investment um, education piece as well. I went into a partnership and ended up losing the escrow because we missed the escrow return period. Um, I've learned a lot. You know, it's a very expensive education to have. But I agree with mm -hmm. you on the partnerships. And so one of the things that um, I've done with businesses is if I'm going to get in a partnership with someone on a business side, each of us come to the table with a business plan and give a couple of worst case scenarios. What would you do? And I think you learn a lot from what person would do what under different situations and what, you know, not necessarily ethical and unethical, but does it align with how I would handle a situation too? So I like that about That's the really Yeah. I like that. It's almost like um, a formal interview for your partner. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, it's, it's more than a marriage because you can't, it's very difficult to divorce in an investment, right? You can't just walk away from it like you could in a divorce situation. Um, exactly. Yeah. So what other pieces of advice would you give to investors that, um, even in this market being as tough as it is right now, this is probably an educational time, right? When you say that that's probably a good time for us to educate ourselves. Yeah, I think you just said it, like um, educate yourself, like make sure that whatever investment journey you wanna follow is something that um, aligns with the resources that you have available to you. So maybe you have a lot of money and you just want to invest passively in other people's deals. 
maybe you have more time than money and you can contribute your expertise to other people's bills. Um, think about what works for you and find a strategy and kind of stick to it. Um, there's a lot of shiny objects in this business and it's easy to get distracted by what someone else is talking about. Mm -hmm. I know because I've done it and um, you just kind of want to stay focused, pick something, learn it well and stick to it and then move on potentially. Yeah. And so it sounds like you have a team in place. What is your expertise on the team? What is it that you enjoy doing when you're doing uh, real estate investing? So I'm a people person. I've never met a stranger. I love talking to people. I love understanding their financial goals. And I think what um, I bring to the table is being able to manage investor relations because it suits me. It suits my background. I have a sales and marketing background. And like I said, I love to talk to people. So, um, you know, you are on the front line and there's a lot of accountability being in the position that I'm in. So, um, you know, I take it very seriously. Anyone who's ever worked with me knows that I'm very passionate about what I do and I want to lead people in the right direction. So that is a very big hat to wear, but that's what I contribute to the team. Yeah. And building out a good team is very important too, right? Mm -hmm. What do you look for when you're picking partners to work with? In terms of in the business or as investors? Either one. Um, I'll give you an answer to both. So in the business, I look for someone who has the same drive as me. It's hard to motivate other people. Um, I feel like I'm a very driven person and I want someone that has the same drive. And for those reasons, um, I actually partnered with my sister who is um, a real estate broker who has a ton of real estate experience herself. And, um, you know, I don't have to, I mean, we kind of have the same skill set, which is kind of, you know, typically you pick someone who has like a complementary skill set, but it works because, you know, I trust her. I love her. And I know that we don't have to worry about, you know, someone doing wrong in the business. We, you know, we're aligned in that way. So, um, and then in terms of investors, you know, there's all different levels of investors. And what I do is I try to teach these strategies without people having an active involvement first, right? Because I never want someone to feel pressured or rushed into a decision to invest money with us. I want it to be on their time and when they're ready. So for partnerships in terms of investors, I won't take anybody's money. It has to match the, the deal and the mm -hmm. risk tolerance and their level of comfort. So. Yeah, I like that. So you're going to also interview your investors to make sure that they're a fit Absolutely. for you. Okay. But at the end of the day, we're providing an opportunity for people to make money. So we do want to be selective about who we invite into these deals and who's going to be, who's going to perform, who's going to be um, serious about the investment and who has the risk tolerance and the education uh, foundation that it requires. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I like that. So when you're looking to build out your team, you're interviewing people, making sure they're a right fit. But then when you're looking at your investors, you apply the same general principles because it's also a long-term relationship too. Yeah. And, you know, you can either educate people up front and know that they're ready, or you can let them into something that they don't understand and answer a million questions every day, which I don't think is a comfortable situation for either party. No, 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 I agree 100% with that. Um, so when you're not working in the business, what kind of fun activities do you like to do? I love to travel. Um, I love spending time with family. I love cooking. I love singing karaoke. So 
I mean, pretty much um, I love anything outdoors. So camping, boating, um, it usually comes as a surprise to people, but that's my, that's my jam. Really? That's very interesting. Well, if you're ever in Miami, there is like this party bus that's also a karaoke, which I hadn't seen before. I don't know. I, I am about to ask you a question and I'll answer it too so that you can understand the context of it. Um, but I wish I could sing. Like that would be the one talent that if I could go back and say, God, can you give me this talent? That would be the talent because I mean, everyone oh, yeah. can sing, but I would like to be able to sing where other people want to enjoy it too. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think I, I'd have this, I have the same, like um, in my mind, I'm like a piano singer laying on top of uh, the piano with the wall gown. I want to be that person, but I can't sing either. It's just fun for me though. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, so I kind of le- led into that question a little bit, but if you had if you could pick a superpower, what would it be and why would you pick it? I mean, I think I would like to tell the future, predict the future. I mean, why not, right? Because as an investor, we're going on, you know, educated hunches basically. But if I could actually have a crystal ball and know where stocks are headed, know where the market's headed, I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah, then everybody would be coming to you for investment advice. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and I appreciate the interview today. If our audience wants to reach out to you, get more information, perhaps interview to be an investor, how do they reach you? So they can find me on Facebook under Yana Epps. They can also find me on Instagram at The Real Property Princess. And you can find my website at therealpropertyprincess.com. And if you just want to follow along for educational content, I also have a Facebook group called Real Estate and Investment Strategy. Very nice. Yeah. So providing the education back to the people as well. So that's pretty awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on Empower Her Money podcast today. Thank you, Angela. This was so fun. Yes, that concludes another episode of Empower Her Money podcast. I am your host, Angela Duncan. If you are curious and want to get started on your real estate investing journey, reach out to Yana, follow her and make sure you get the right education from good people like Yana. So thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empower Her Money podcast. Make sure you leave me a five-star review, share this podcast, subscribe and share the message. (laughs) 